am pretty sure that when we were talking about WJR Cares, and I want to make sure that I get this right, when we had the uh, chance to talk to Pastor Kent Clark, as we said, this is a WJR Cares Day, and uh, they would like you to donate a meal ticket. $2.17 pays for one meal uh, for the people that they help at Grace Centers of Hope. And I'm pretty sure that I messed up the website when I put it out there. It is gracecentersofhope.org. I think I said .com. It is .org, gracecentersofhope.org. Give them your support. This is a group that does just so many uh, good deeds in the community, not just nourishing people in terms of food, but nourishing their souls as well, and uh, also building a foundation for accountability that is so important. So they're so deserving of your support, and we hope on this WJR Cares Day that you'll do that. In the meantime, today is Tuesday. That means it's Mobility Makers, brought to you by Bridgestone. No matter what the next generation of mobility will be, it will be on wheels, and Bridgestone will be there. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. And live from Hollywood, it's Paul Eisenstein from TheDetroitBureau.com. Out there, are you on the are you on a red carpet somewhere there at the uh, at the Los Angeles Convention Center as we get ready for the LA Auto Show? Oh, I wish I was. I'm actually in a very nice shuttle bus going from one event, uh, looking at the uh, the new Toyota BZ4X, uh, going to pick up a car so I can look at a couple other new previews in the next few hours. I should be getting a a sneak peek at a new BMW uh, electrified vehicle, and then. Uh, Nissan's all-electric Aria, and a whole bunch of others. You know, so much is being talked at, with the LA Auto Show. I mean, it's always been about green and electrification way before this this most recent wave of electrification efforts, Paul. One of the big things that I know you're going to be watching out there is how California ramps up its infrastructure because they actually are reaching a critical mass now for electric vehicles. Yeah, they very much are. Uh, all you have to do is drive down the 405 here in L.A. or the 5 or any of the freeways in San, uh, down San Diego or San Francisco, and it is absolutely stunning how many Teslas you see as well as uh, all sorts of other plug-based vehicles. It's really a transformation. Uh, I, I don't know the exact numbers right now, but uh, California itself has some of the highest penetration of electrification electrified vehicles of anywhere in the united states anywhere in the world and when you also look around and and you look avert your gaze from the cars you're looking at on the highway can you look and see chargers available for those people that need them in places that are where they're most likely to need them near freeways for longer drives yeah you see a fair amount of them here in california uh, charges have become pre- pretty ubiquitous. And, you know, one of the things I like to stress whenever the subject of chargers comes up is 80-plus percent of people who own electric vehicles today still charge at home. And when you have 300 miles range, that means most of the time you will not need to go public. Unless you're doing a long trip, you are probably going to be able to continue charging all the time at home and if anything, you come out to the electric equivalent of a full tank every morning. And that's actually right. one of the pluses of electric. Uh, but when you are traveling, you know, people want to go up to Big Bear to ski or they want to go from L.A. to San Francisco and the like. That's when, when the public chargers are going to become more and more important. 
And one of the interesting things that's happening in California is there's so many electric vehicles on the road that charges that are in place are now getting crowded, in part because they are slower than filling up a gas tank. That's one issue. Well, let's talk about that. By the way, to put into context, those lower trips, those trips beyond 150 miles where you would have to think about charging, they account for fewer than 1% of the trips that anybody will take. So we're talking about putting in a lot of infrastructure for a relatively few number of trips. Talk to me about the newer technologies that are out there because I think the consumer acceptance is I don't want to spend any more time at the charger than I would at the pump. That's kind of, you know, that's a standard that we don't want to have to compromise on. Yeah, that, that is true. And again, you don't have to do that very often. You're going to charge at a public charger much less frequently than you would uh, fill up a gas tank. On the other hand, if you were traveling long distances, uh, you may have to do that several times. So if you were charging up for several hours, it would make people crazy. Now, the newest wave of Public chargers are going up to higher and higher uh, voltages and and wattages. So, uh, you know, from 50 kilowatts up to 350. So some vehicles are getting 80% of their capacity in as little as 20 minutes. And there's talk about new technologies that could take that down to 10 minutes or less. Don't expect that at your electric charging station next year or the year after. But I think as we move forward, you're going to see charging times drop and drop and drop. Well, and you point out that Ford and GM are kind of on the cusp of this. Ford is partnering with Purdue University, and they think they can almost get those charging times down to what it would take to fill up a gas tank. And General Motors is also involved in this. Do we know how close this might be, Paul? I spoke with Mark Royce a while back, he being the global president at GM, and he said their target is 10 minutes for a 90% charge using their new Ultium technology. He also quickly told me, don't expect that to happen in the next couple of years. Uh, I wouldn't imagine that's going to happen until probably closer to mid-decade. And it probably will require a shift to an all-new technology that everybody is counting on called solid-state batteries. Now, those batteries, uh, I think you and I have talked about this before, uh, they eliminate all that goop in the middle of the battery and has a that has a bunch of advantages it should mean longer range lower cost higher performance faster charging and it will essentially eliminate the risk of fire well that's what i was going to ask you because it, thermal maintenance is a big part of this the faster you charge the vehicle the bigger the problem is about heat yeah and and there's a lot of new technologies that uh, automakers and battery developers are working on to try to bring bring those temperatures down it's all about resistance you know when you put current through something as people understand when they charge their iphone they feel the heat that develops and uh, part of the challenge is cooling it uh cooling your battery pack and cooling the charger cooling the cable that goes to the charger and that's one of the things this purdue ford project is working on uh some really creative technology uh, that could make it much much easier to avoid the heat problem that can also not just slow down the charging, but also, you know, shorten battery life. Uh, speaking of heat, one of the things this time of year that my tushy craves is the seat warmers in my car. And yet we hear General Motors may be at least temporarily eliminating that option 
in some vehicles because of the semiconductor shortage. Do we know how long that may go on? Because I think consumers, that's something that they, especially up here, aren't willing to compromise on. I think GM would be better off not selling vehicles than taking out the seat heaters. Uh, In Michigan, I don't know a single person that would buy a vehicle without a seat heater. Uh, And on top of that, it's gotten to the point now where if you take out the steering wheel heater, a lot of people won't buy your product. So I don't think that's a real good idea. I remember a few years back, Bob Lutz, when he was a car czar at GM, talked about taking out anti-lock brakes to save $50 a vehicle. That got shot down very, very quickly. Uh, I would hope that GM does not go through with this. I would not have wanted to be the bean counter that presented that to Bob Lutz. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. He, he does. He didn't suffer. He doesn't suffer dumb ideas very well. Well, we will. We will wait for that. And I think that's uh, solid advice because I can only imagine what it would do to the resale of the vehicle a- as well if it doesn't have uh, seat heaters up in this climate. Paul Eisenstein, uh, enjoy Los Angeles. Uh, lots of great things to see about that. And we will watch for those test drives uh, in the DetroitBureau.com. Thanks. I have a big story up there right now for people who want to check it out about what's coming in L.A. Very well. We will check it out. Paul Eisenstein, publisher and editor-in-chief of the Detroit Bureau, when we come back, is the self-defense defense on trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We'll get the latest from the Kyle Rittenhouse case next on The Guy Gordon Show.